if you've ever been to the Arnold, like the panels they put behind the lifters and the acoustics are like, you know, they're, they're like rock concert style setups. I mean, like the improvement on, I mean, they used to be like our nationals would be in like a VFW hall, you know, and it would take forever and you were writing on paper. Like it was crazy. So like we've just really stepped up like our game as far as like just making it more of a mainstream sport and making it more available to everybody. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbench.com. We have one from the archives this week, but don't go running anywhere just yet, because even if you heard it before, you'll want to revisit. It's with powerlifting goat that's greatest of all time, Jen Thompson. If you don't know who Jen is, well, just Google Barben plus Jen Thompson, and you will find a litany of world records, over 50 championships in the sport of powerlifting, and she is still at the top of her game even well into the master's age bracket. Jen is an absolute delight. She's one of my favorite people in strength sports and arguably the most accomplished powerlifter of all time. We dive into her training routine, why doing a week-to-week training routine or split is suboptimal in her mind, along with a lot of other training secrets and knowledge that she's learned over her many decades in the sport. You don't want to go anywhere. Jen is absolutely fantastic, and I promise you, You'll learn something to up your training the next time you're in the gym just by listening to this. So stick around. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Hope you all enjoy. Jen, thanks so much for joining us. We absolutely love working with you at Barbend. And I was was hitting myself because when we were chatting last, I realized... You hadn't been on the Barbend podcast. You should have been one of the first people on. And I'm I'm so sorry about that oversight. (laughs) You'll have to forgive me. I will think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jen, you're a legend in the sport of powerlifting, and you're one of the most visible, you've been one of the most visible strength athletes on the planet for a number of years now and still going strong. So I got to ask, what does your training look like these days? And during a time when a lot of competitions have been canceled or postponed, is there anything kind of in your sights that you're actually training for specifically? Not really. Like, I really... You know, I was training for Raw Nationals October, which obviously isn't happening. And um, I'm overcoming um, an injury that I'd been rehabbing for a while. So honestly, I just sort of extended the rehab Mm. to really make sure I was ready to come back. But now we have the um, hometown showdown going on for USA Powerlifting. I don't know if you saw that, but basically you enter any local meet and you kind of go into the rankings for these cash prizes and awards. So um, now I'm thinking I definitely need to do a local meet this year so I can get in on that Yeti Cup giveaway or something like that. And then um, we're doing the Lift Together. I don't know if you've seen that, the Lift Together Challenge that we're doing on Twitch the second weekend in September. And so that's going to be big fun. So I'm trying to, although I was just sort of lackadaisically training, now I'm like, oh my God, I better get going (laughs) on some of this stuff. I, I love the hometown challenge here because it encourages a lot of strength athletes who are at that elite national or international level to, to compete in local meets. Many of, I mean, how long has it been since you've competed in, in a local meet? Oh my, it has been, I bet it's been at least 10 years. 
like because I'm the state chair for North Carolina here for USA Powerlifting, I'm usually running the meets or overseeing the meets or refereeing the meets. And I sort of feel like a lot of times those local meets, you know, are for local lifters, right? And so the ones that I have done, I kind of went in as a guest lifter, you know, because you get to a point. I mean, there, when you have like a number of nationals and the Arnold and the Worlds, that's plenty for one year. You don't really need any more. So it really has been, I think the last time I did one was after I had my son Brody. So that was 2005 and I had to requalify to uh, make nationals again. So I honestly think that was the last time that I lifted at a local meet. I have to say it's going to be, it's going to, I'm sure awesome for uh, folks who have seen you as an event organizer and as someone who's, who's kind of doing the admin for these competing locally, but it's also got to be, I wonder if it's a little demoralizing for some lifters who are like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go for top lifter at this competition. And then Jen Thompson, Jen Thompson, one of the best to ever do it shows up like, well, there, there, there goes my chance. I think I'd probably still do like a guest, guest lifter as long as my my total went in there and hopefully it's just more aspiring than defeating, you know, <laughs> to, to people. I don't, it is like with these powerlifting meetings, I don't know, like if you've never run an event, they're super hard and exhausting to put on. Mm-hmm. And um, for all the people that just lift in them and never volunteer, you should totally volunteer because even when I consider going in one, I usually end up don't lift, not lifting because, you know, some spatters called off or a referee called off or like it is, it's an undertaking. So even when I've entertained a thought, I, I end up just helping out instead. I've had to explain this to a lot of people in the weightlifting community, how complex a powerlifting meet can get. So I'm like, okay, imagine a weightlifting meet, which is already a big undertaking and it takes a village to put on. Now add another lift to that and also make it such that the bar, the, the weight can go up and down. Because in weightlifting, in, over the course of a session, the weight just, just increases. So when you yeah. explain that, you get, you get to understand why a powerlifting event is like a 12, 14, sometimes 16-hour day for event organizers. It's a long slog. Oh. It's, it's like I dread, I dread the event coming up. And then when it gets there, it's fun. I'm excited to see everyone. And it's always good vibes. But every time we do them, you're just, it's exhausting. It's, but you know, you keep doing it for the love of your sport. Yeah. You know, you want to keep people in it and, sh- and share that love with everyone and, and keep it going and see it be successful. So it keeps you coming back, but it does, it takes a good army of volunteers to, to make these events for people to love to come to. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the lift together event that you're doing on Twitch the second week of September. I'm super excited about that. There is a whole bunch of us coming together to Colorado Springs, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, obviously. <laughs> That's in the name. <laughs> um, and it's uh, going to be a Twitch event. So you can watch it live on Twitch and, and donate to the causes. It is um, Suicide Awareness Month in September. So part of our funds will be going to that. And then part of it will be going to the um, NAACP to kind of support the Black Lives Matter movement, which are two big, big things in our, in our lives right now. So it's pretty exciting to be a part of that. And it's going to be like a weekend of like heavy lifting, but hijinks. (laughs) (laughs) Like just, just the other day, Bryce Lewis um, is one of the guys putting it on and he sent us this picture of these, um, you know, those blow up fat suits, like those big sumo suits. Oh yeah, that you'll you put on it like the county like, fair. What do you guys like? We're gonna have these um, like wrestle offs with these things. 
And um, so even though it's going to be some fun seminars, heavy lifting, but a lot of it's going to be kind of goofy stuff, like feats mm. of strength and weird, weird wrestle off. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, like Ben Pollock's going to be there and um, uh, Meg Squats, of course, are some of the kind of the big headliners, Matt Vincent. Um, so we've got a, a whole, a whole slew of Blaine Sumner. I mean, if you just look, there's probably would recognize almost all the names, but we are going to be like being careful with the social distance. It's like, it's not an audience to come watch it and it'll be sort of um, broken up into small groups so that we are, you know, um, maintaining, uh, you know, good, good quarantine skills, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's what we have to do these days. I have to ask, um, when it comes to hijinks and, and power lifters, say this was a normal competition, say this was nationals or, or the mm-hmm. Arnold's, uh, when elite power lifters are, are done competing and they're looking to let off some steam, like what's your go-to? Some people go out to like a big buffet. Some people have that favorite drink. Like what is, what is like your just like, ah, the meat's over. Like I've accomplished my goal. I can, I can just relax a little bit, enjoy myself. We definitely hit the bar right after some beverages are top priority. (laughs) So usually it's a few, few shots. Um, we'll order some, some grungy food, but I tend not to eat like too much of the food because like for training, you've eaten so good so long and then you do the dieting and then the old day lifting. I usually end up feeling horrible if I eat too much. So I usually just go with a liquid approach. <laughs> it's, you have to wait. Do you, it's fun. do you want the regular hangover or the junk food hangover, which is worse, you know? Uh, I don't know. They're both pretty bad on <laughs> <And> me. <laughs> Um, I try not to go with the um, liquid hangover too often because like mine lasts like two or three days because it's just, I'm just like that. But it is fun. Like at Raw Nationals, usually it's in, you know, like some sort of hotel. So usually it's the hotel bar and then you're just seeing the other athletes. And for the prime time, you're seeing the other people that were cheering for you. So it's, you know, it's like a huge party atmosphere. It's like so much fun. <laughs> It's, it's half the reason to, uh, to compete. I do want to ask, uh, you know, coming back from this injury and rehabbing uh, the injury, how, how long was your rehab, if you don't mind me asking? And, uh, you know, how has how's that been going? Are you feeling kind of back to 100% right now? Um, it's been like a year. I broke, I broke my hip at the Arnold in 2019, I think. Whatever it was. Yeah, I think. And so um, it was like like a stress fracture that I realized I had. I had torn like um, my obturator muscle at the Arnold. And so I rehabbed and thought it was great and started pulling some heavy weight. And then I just fractured the stress fracture. So it was kind of a bummer. It's been about a year. So um, I'm starting to feel good. And as long as I'm working up to the weights slowly, it's going okay. I tried to come back a little bit too fast originally. And then I had to back off a little bit. So now I feel like. I'm on a, I'm a good, good, small, steady incline back to where I was. Will you be, um, will you be competing in in September or will you be, are you an organizer of the lift together or are you actually going to be hitting the platform? You think? I'm going to be hitting the platform. I don't know that I will be in a hundred percent shape, but probably 90. (laughs) The bench is always there. Like the bench is a (laughs) hundred. It's good. It's the other things that are are always messing, messing me up a little bit. It benches my good standby. <laughs> I have this image in my head of you, of you like, you know, 
maybe you're, uh, I, I've never, thank, thankfully never had a, a bad hip injury, but something where like you're, you're having trouble walking or you're not able to do any other lift, but you're still showing up for the bench and getting uh-huh. on to, and getting onto the bench and absolutely crushing it. I, I do have to ask a little, you know, we got to talk about the bench press. Jen Thompson's okay. on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you're, you're the, the best bencher of all, of all time. And, and I don't really think there's too, too much Competition. I know some people who might argue about this, but they're probably wrong. Maybe I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> one thing that you've been, uh, I, I know, really focusing on a lot more and the content you've been putting out on, on YouTube, on your uh, Instagram, on social media is bench accessory work. Mm-hmm. No one knows it better than you. What are some of your favorite bench accessories that, uh, that you're recommending people train with these days? Oh my gosh. We do. And the thing is like, we do so many, we do a bunch one week and then we flop them the next week and then we flop them back. And I've just always like, um, I can get bored with my workout really fast. So Mm. I try to keep a lot of variation in it. Um, so for us, like one of the key things, like, especially if you're having technique problems is what we call the t-shirt press. So it's kind of like a spoto press, but it's on your t-shirt. And the rule is like, you do it at the very end of your workout, you do it with probably like your heaviest warm up weight. And so basically work on how fast you descend the bar. You've got to hold it on your chest for an exaggerated one to two count, but it has to be on your t-shirt, not your chest. So like, it's like, like, you know, so the idea is that you're not like relaxing, you're staying tight and then really using leg drive to throw it up as fast as you can. You do them in like five, it's a rep of five, but they're like five singles within that set. And so it doesn't seem like much, but it really allows you to build what we call bottom end strength, which is off your chest. And really work on the speed of the bar, which is another area that most people can make improvements are our bar speed and um, leg drive, really. And then leg drive, I just posted on Instagram today, lockouts. You can really, really work on your leg drive on lockouts. So we do lots of those. And then other than that, we do like a lot of the like the band presses, the reverse band presses. Um, we do the slingshot, of course, you know, with the, I love overloading, like everything, of course, my heavy holds, cause those are way fun, but I do think they have a ton of benefit to them as well. What are some weights that you're, that you're using on, on the heavy holds? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to like what percentage above a maximal lift people, people go on those. It takes a while. You have to kind of practice doing them, hmm. but like for me, it's 500. I mean, that is cool. Like you mentioned, it's, it's cool and it's fun. Just holding, <laughs> holding 500 pounds yeah. is like, it's, it's just this kind of yeah. great number. It really, it's, it's like unracking it and just letting it settle into your shoulders a little bit. And it's just an isometric hold for about 15 seconds, but really like it works your stabilizer muscles. Like if you ever get like a shitty handoff, like you'll be fine if you've been doing heavy holds because you have so much stability and strength from that unrack. So I always think that that is a good thing. And then there's tons of studies that prove how isometric holds um, help with your concentric strength. So um, it's something we started doing, like a friend of ours was in chiropractic school many years ago and doing a lot with isometrics. And we thought how we could apply that to the bench. And so we've been doing that um, ever since. But really, if you wanted to start them, you'd probably just start with a number that was just over your max and then start making, you know, jumps from there. I mean, I've been doing them for so long. I can go, you know, like almost 200 <laughs> over my max, but you probably can't start off that way. <laughs> yeah, wise, wise words. Take it slowly. Uh, let's talk about training frequency a little bit. Now you're obviously at a, at a very elite level and, um, 
your tolerance for training volume is going to be a lot different than someone who might just be starting off and, and things change. Uh, you know, how frequently are you training the bench and bench accessories? And generally for, you know, someone who's an active powerlifter, maybe not at that internationally elite level, you know, what do you think is a, is a good frequency in training volume? So we train like way differently than everybody else. <laughs> like, I'm just going to lay it out there. It's going to seem weird. Um, and we always have. People always tell me I train more like a bodybuilder than a powerlifter. So, you know, as I've gotten older, I've noticed that I've needed more rest. You know, I just turned 47 this year. So I started in my 20s. So it's, it's been a long road. Um, so we're actually on what we call a nine-day cycle. So instead of doing it in seven days in a week, we do our workouts in nine days. So, um, but the workouts we do are like hugely intense for about two hours. So I honestly, I only have a bench workout once every nine days and I have an accessory day once every nine days, which probably doesn't seem like a lot for what most people are doing because they're benching like two or three times a week and yada, yada, yada. I just do it once, once every nine days, but I go all out when I do it. Well, what kind of what kind of sets and sets and reps are you doing on uh, on the primary lift and accessories during that once every nine day session? Uh, well, we flip them from week to week. We ha- we work on speed one week and we work on like the heavy weight one week. So we kind of like we're always mismatching and moving things around. But generally, like if you're talking like on our heavy week, we do a heavy hold. We do three sets of five on flat, two sets of five on incline and decline. Um, we do what's called upload presses or reverse bands where you hang them from like a squat rack Mm. and you move some super heavy weight. Like, so I'm doing like 360, 370 on those. And then we'll end with some like dumbbell presses of eights. And then we do our little, um, funky pushups on a pushup board with a ball. (laughs) And so we do that. And then the, the other weeks we work on speed. So we're doing, um, singles, we're doing again, flat incline decline. Um, we'll throw in some, um, bands the other way. And then on accessories, we're doing like slingshots and lockouts and um, more band work and some shoulder work. And it's, it's complicated. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in so my we, head. We keep messing with it. I look because we keep track of it on our computer. And we're on like version 30. So <laughs> we just keep the things that like gave us good success and we try new things. And if we didn't like them or if we didn't see any improvement, we chuck those and put in some new ones. And it's just a it's an evolution. Well, you mentioned that you've been in the sport for a while and the sport has changed a lot. I mean, this oh, yeah. is uh, well over 20 years uh, in, in powerlifting and strength sports. Hey, 20 years ago, some of the sports that we cover on Barbend didn't exist. The CrossFit Games didn't exist yeah. 20 years ago. Sure. Uh, what have been some of the main changes that you're most aware of or want to call some attention to in the sport of powerlifting over that time period? Um, well, obviously we have way more women doing it, which is really nice. Um, because like, you know, when I started in 99 and there just wasn't the social media, obviously. And you had, so you were just rely on magazines. So you would have to wait months to hear about a competition or look and see which one, if there was one in your area. Um, it was just like a whole different one. It was just so much on a smaller scale. So that has been a huge change. I love that we see more women in it and it's sort of lost that taboo that, you know, women have to be big, ugly men, you know, to be in this sport. So I like that that is gone and more women are really into trying it. And there's so many examples of nice, nice, strong looking women that 
don't have any masculinity at all. You know, so that's been a nice change. I think the men have been very supportive of our sport. Um, we used to separate everything. Like there was a women's nationals and a men's nationals. And finally, we all came together and said, hey, look, these men are our training partners and these women are our training partners. And we're tired of going to two separate meets. Just put them together because we all live together now anyways. So that's another really good change is that you have men and women working out and lifting together. Um, so I think that has been really good. We've obviously stepped up with the quality of the meets and how they're run. If you've ever been to the Arnold, like the panels they put behind the lifters and the acoustics are like, you know, they're, they're like rock concert style setups. I mean, like the improvement on, I mean, they used to be like our nationals would be in like a VFW hall, you know, and it would take forever and you were writing on paper. Like it was crazy. So like, we've just really stepped up like our game as far as like just making it more of a mainstream sport and making it more available to everybody. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's night and day. What are some things that you want to see change about powerlifting moving forward or some things that you want to see develop or maybe places where there's more room for improvement? With international powerlifting, like with the IPF kind of stuff, which I know doesn't affect everybody, but I would like to see more women in the admin roles there. It's still a very much uh, male, white man dominated (laughs) sort of organization, I feel like. And so I would like to see uh, more diversity in its leadership. That's definitely one area, although they are still making some strides with uh, adding in like more Muslim countries and adjusting some of our, um, our rules to fit more people in it. I think we, we definitely have a lot of room of change um, for that. Um, with uh, USA powerlifting and Excel, um, obviously there's a big issue with the transgender and that sort of thing. I'd like to see that to be, I mean, really we want everyone to be able to do the sports. We all love it. And so I know they are looking at making some changes in 2020. I don't know if you listen to Larry Mealy's speech, but we do have some change coming to allow more diversity among our lifters that uh, maybe hadn't felt comfortable lifting before, but can now. So I like that. And so, uh, and then I would just love to see it like on TV. (laughs) And I'd love to see uh, athletes be able to make a living at the sport. I think that we can definitely grow and everybody wants that, you know, so would love to see some bigger name sponsors, some more money coming into our sport and us being a little bit more um, exposed uh, on uh, TV. Is there anyone outside of the powerlifting community? It could be uh, athletes or could be event organizers that you look to and you say, oh, what they're doing is really cool. And I like to keep my eye on that as well. That's a tough question. (laughs) I don't know. I think like they're, they're, you know, like now we have things like the Titan games, Mm -hmm. you know, on TV, we have some more like kind of fun game shows, sort of sporting things. I think they're kind of onto something with some of those shows. Um, I think LeBron James has also got one coming out or had one coming out. But I think um, when you look at some of these sports, I mean, CrossFit's done a great job. Um, at really accelerating their sport in a small amount of time to where they got Reebok and they've got, you know, their games going. So, I mean, definitely, I don't want to do CrossFit. I think powerlifting is way better, but we could definitely take a page out of their like marketing book. (laughs) 
The, the other thing I, I promised myself I'd ask about is uh, you, you mentioned that you're, uh, you're heavily, heavily involved. Like you can't think of North Carolina strength sports without thinking of Jen Thompson. And that's as both a lifter and event organizer and admin, but you're not the only kind of strength celebrity in your neck of the woods, so to speak. You actually live pretty close to Juji Mufu. Is that right? Oh yeah. He lives like 40 minutes from me. He moved here from Mississippi and he actually contacted me. <laughs> and we've actually become pretty good friends um, since he's moved here and um, got to know his wife a little bit and Tom and um, actually my sister-in-law dated Tom for a little while. <laughs> like gossip on the down low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's, he's someone who, I mean, he kind of rose to internet stardom with, well, I, where do you even start with his, his tricking and his flips and mm-hmm. being the anabolic acrobat, but he's actually been, been focused a little bit more in on powerlifting in recent years and has competed uh, a little bit. Um, so do you two ever, ever train together, swap stories, swap wisdom? Does he come to you for training yeah. advice? Yeah, every once in a while. It depends on what he's doing because like he kind of bounces around to a lot of different things. And I think he probably needs to do that to keep everything like um, new and refreshing. So um, he's come here and lifted with us a few times and I've come to his place a couple of times and then he got into arm wrestling for a little while. Um, and then I think he's getting into bodybuilding right now. So, um, so kind of, and then he always kind of returns back to powerlifting. And so I'll probably hear from him then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So using him as maybe he's, maybe he's not the best example because he does bounce around so much. Like that's his kind of, that's his job is to explore different things. Yeah, in, I mean, in strength. He's, a, he's a social media influencer, you know, in the truest sense, he's an ent- entertainer for sure. Super, super nice person, and his wife is just, just so sweet and wonderful too. Um, there, he's he's one of many just amazing, fun people in in strength that are even more fun to interact with in person than, than like you might imagine after seeing their mm-hmm. stuff. But if you had to explore one other strength sport, it could be it could be something as as big as weightlifting. Well, you said you're not going to do CrossFit, right? You already said that. No, no. Or it could be something as specific <laughs> that's a little more, you know, niche like arm wrestling. Like what if you could if you could train to be elite in one other strength discipline? What do you think it would be? Um it would probably be like uh ninja warrior stuff. We actually did a YouTube video with Juji and Tom where we went to one of the gyms here and um I have so a lot of it's up upper body strength and I have a lot of upper body strength and um and I do tons of like in our training we do tons of pull-ups and dips and all sorts of things and so um we had the crew there and they were showing us how to do the different events and stuff and I truly enjoyed it like I really really liked it I could totally see myself um giving that a go (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something where just like the Titan games, it's getting just a ton of mainstream, a mainstream coverage. And it's interesting to see athletes. There've been a ton of CrossFit athletes and powerlifters that you'll see on the Mm -hmm. Titan games. And we haven't seen too many crossover strength sports athletes to Ninja warrior just, just just yet. Um, but maybe you know, the first one. Maybe we see a lot of gymnasts, like right. Yeah, DLB but, but. went. A, DLB went on there one time. She was on like the preliminary trial trials. Dana Lynn Bailey. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that. I, com- yeah. I completely missed that that she was on that she was uh, tried out for well, that. She didn't last real long, but she made it. Um. <laughs> one problem with having strength athletes on that is, you know, it's mostly upper body stuff. There's some like running and there's some lower body stuff, but if you've yeah. got these big heavy quads, it's not necessarily going to help you when you're doing like a salmon ladder, right? 
I don't think anyone's told me that I have big, heavy quads before. So I think I'm going to be all right. I didn't, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, at least I didn't, I didn't call you, I didn't call you skinny, which you did to one of Barbin's editors one time. And uh, the, the 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 poor guy never recovered. Jen was being Jen was being oh, so nice. So bad. <laughs> and she was. This is legendary in the office. And for all, um, I think I can link the video. I'll link the video in the in the, in the podcast page we have. But you were trying to free, trying to remember Jake's name, and um, you were. Yeah, like, I have a terrible time with names. I have terrible time, and if I'm on the spot, like I could forget my sister's name. You know. But the way you did it, you were so nice. You were like, he's um works at Barband, he's from Missouri. You knew all these specific things, and you were like, uh, you know, kind of skinny. And oh man, the, the next the day after that, we uh we gave him a good uh we gave him a good ribbing on that, but it was all it was all in good fun. Uh oh. There's Jennifer Thompson's husband right there. Uh oh. Jen Thompson's husband. <laughs> this is a two for one. We're just getting a we're getting a bonus appearance on the podcast. <laughs> uh wearing a is that a Detroit Lions shirt? Oh, I have to tell my girlfriend. She's a huge Lions fan. I'm a Bears fan, so I'm sorry. Well, Poor thing. We're all in sad, sad teams, that. though. Like, <laughs> we're all just so used to losing and not expecting too much. The the NFC North is a it's a it's a it's a tough division for success unless you're a Packers fan sure. in like the past decade. Well, Jen, that actually kind of sums up what I wanted to chat about today. And, um, you know, I wanted to definitely ask where the best place is for people to keep up to date with the work you're doing, training tips and advice. And, and I know you're, you're big on a few different platforms. So where, where can people find you? Uh, um, of course, Instagram, Jen Thompson, one, three, two, I always try to post something like sort of meaningful and helpful, not just like a booty pick or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something that, you know, you could take something away from, and then I have my YouTube uh, channel, uh, 132 Pounds of Power. I'm working on a bench variation series where I'm going through the different exercises I do and how to do them, how to set them up in the gym and where to start at. And I always feel like one of the things made me so successful is technique. You know, if you don't have great technique and you're not executing the exercise correctly, you're really missing out on a big piece of it. So I think that's pretty important. And then I do have a website. It's 132poundsofpower.com where you can well, you'll be able to see this. I always put my my latest my latest stuff on there and um, just information and results and stuff like that. So those are all great places. I do Facebook. But I do more family stuff on Facebook versus um, Power. Well, Jen, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and looking forward to uh, seeing you as you uh, as you get back on on the platform and wishing you the best for uh, the the rest of twenty twenty. Thank you. And I do want you to know I've been following Jake and he's looking way more buff during this quarantine. I think he's been eating more and he's definitely thicking out with uh, two C's. <laughs> I'm going to have to link this video in the, in, in the podcast page. Jen Thompson, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.